Heavenly Father, we thank You for the good Word of God. And Lord, we thank You for hearts that are touched and then turned. Lord, literally activated to serve You, to love You, and to walk with You. Lord, with that, we want to bear much fruit. We want to glorify You in all that we do. So we just ask for clarity this morning. Lord, in the empowerment of the teacher, the Holy Spirit, to teach us what our spirit man already knows. But Lord, let it come to the forefront of our mind and consciousness, we ask. We love you, Lord. We are so excited to be on this journey together with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Our activation time uh, for this week. Please eat or sit with Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 8. You can share your thoughts with us as well at that particular uh, email. We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus and centering all that we are on Him. We've been looking at the teachings of Jesus. If we're Christ followers, we might want to have some idea of what Jesus taught, taught truth, taught God as our Father. The Father's kingdom is accessible now. It's not just, hey, we're going to get saved and die and go to heaven someday, but we can actually access relationship with God here on earth. Uh, regeneration. We spent some time on that, as I mentioned earlier, and now we're on obedience from the heart, not from fear. And what I mean by that is demonic fear or terrorizing fear, but obedience from the heart. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 in the Message Bible says, Jesus Christ lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Jesus never taught anything that he didn't model. Aren't you glad? Truly uh, the God-man of integrity. He never taught something or asked us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself, even obedient to his Father's request to the point of his own death. When we talk about obedience, and I've mentioned this several times, so bear with me, we want to talk about it from a new covenant economy. Okay, Unless you were born Jewish, really... The only covenant you've been offered is the new covenant. And that's a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And when we're talking about the economy we have between us and the Lord here as New Testament believers, there's no debt there. How many of you know the only one that could have paid this debt actually did? You were never going to pay this debt on your own. You were never going to do enough to get yourself right with God. The only one that could have settled that debt did. So we live, I hope you're hearing, we live without debt or obligation in our mind that somehow we, we owe him something and we're gonna, we're gonna close the chasm by stuff we're doing for him. And then we even talked last week about when you get into that mindset, do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? The older brother said this, and I quote, lo these many years I've served you and you've never so much as given me a goat to make merry with my friends. So what's he doing there? He's saying, well, I've kept your commands. I've done the stuff, God, you told me to do, and you owe me for it, and you've not come through. It's Romans chapter 4, verse 4. When we live with obligation and a debt mindset towards God, we actually believe the blessings of life, this is Romans 4, 4, are not grace, not God's character and goodness towards us. It's debt. He actually owes us payoffs for the things that we do. Well, that's not a new covenant economy. 
As the pattern son, Jesus didn't obey his father out of reward and punishment or obligation or how about this, to become something. He wasn't thinking, okay, well, if I do all this, I'll become the Son of God. That should sound familiar to you because in Matthew chapter 4, when he's led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, Satan comes to tempt him and says, if you'll command stones to become bread, then you'll be the Son of God. Well, God had just told him that he was the Son of God in whom he was well pleased. He already told him, you're my son. And then the enemy comes to tempt not only him, but all of us to become something We already are. I do not do good works. I believe in good works. We're going to talk about that today. But I don't do them to get right with God. I do them because I am right with God. I don't do them so God will love me. I do them because I'm loved. And the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart and filled me. So I want to share it. I want to give it away. How many of you know love has conduct? There's a conduct to the love of God. There's action to it. We're going to talk about that quite a bit here this morning. And so Jesus' obedience wasn't to become something. I'm even reminded, and I love this little saying, but the moment you set out to become something, you just told yourself you're not something. And if you're telling yourself you're not something that God says you are, you're in unbelief. Okay? So I'm the righteousness of God. I'm not helping Larry with his, with his house get all that made up and ready to go, so I'll be right with God. I'm doing it because I love Larry and I am right with God. And it's just good fruit that comes out of the oneness that Christ has provided. So Jesus didn't do that for those reasons. He obeyed his Father because of the love and respect for his Father that was in him and towards his Father. This is important because Jesus is the pattern son. So you need to let your love for people come out of your love for your father first. So that when people you're trying to love act like a fool, you can still love them. Because you're loving them out of love you have and respect you have for your father. Are we commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves? We are. Well, if we love, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my command. So it's out of our love for him that we love one another. And then we love people that are challenging to love. <laughs> Don't point any fingers now. We're learning to love people on his behalf. If we're doing all things in Jesus' name, what you're literally doing is loving people, serving people, giving, whatever it may look like. You're doing it on his behalf, not your behalf. Amen? Truth is, as we saw in water baptism, you're already dead and buried. You've already died. Who's here now is the brand new creation of Christ Jesus in you. And remember this, when we talk about, yeah, I'm loving Kyle and Nikki out of my love and respect for my father first, loving him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So out of that, I love them. I have to remember that love comes from God. First John 4, 7, love is of God. I had a good pastor friend years ago and the church was growing and he was, you know, his schedule was getting busier and busier. And he said, Lord, I need more passion for you. And immediately the Lord said, no, you need to know my passion for you. If you want more passion to love people well and live this life, you better know my passion for you first. First John four nineteen, we love because <laughs> we forgive because he first I mean, we're branches, guys. Everything we're putting out, we're, we should be supply, uh, receiving from Him and His supply. 
And so after the Lord told this pastor friend, he said, you, you don't need more passion for me. You need to know my passion for you. He said this, if you don't let me love you, you will not finish the race. If you don't let me love you, you won't finish the race. And he didn't listen. And he ended up in pastoral burnout, went to Colorado. Thank God for places that help pastors and their spouses who are burned out and dried up. But that's what happened. He didn't heed the voice of the Lord. So always remember, love is of God. And can I give a shout out to the young people as well, and maybe all of us really in this room. Remember, if the world's telling you something that they say is love, but it's not godly, it's not, it's not love. Love is of God, not what man says it is. Amen? That's free of charge. John fourteen fifteen, <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. John fifteen fourteen. just flip it around. You're my friends, if what? If you do whatever I ask you to do. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, more than that, because they said, this type of person is blessed in verse 27. Verse 28, Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He's very much interested in us hearing His voice. Can I get an amen right there? But He's equally as interested in us obeying His voice and doing what He asks us to do, even if it costs us something. And as I shared with you last week, I'm on this personal journey. I was arrested by John 14, 14, 15 right here. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. I want to be better at that. I want to grow in that. I want to mature in that. I said, Lord, teach me to love you because the keeping is rooted in the loving. The keeping is rooted in the loving. So teach me to love you. And that's when he said, well, you love me because I first loved you. So I need to teach you how to love Steve. Now that makes sense to me. We're learning to love God from God, not human reasoning, not religion, right? Religion says, do, 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 do all this. Jesus says, done. It's already done. So now we're going to do this in partnership together. You remember the little boy with the wheelbarrow? I showed you the picture last week. <laughs> dad's doing all the heavy lifting and the boy's feet are dangling off the ground while dad's doing his kingdom business. But we're there and we're in partnership with him. That's what he desires. John fifteen ten. I abide in his love. I become a loving person. And then naturally, supernatural, I love others. I love God and I love others. That's John fifteen ten. All right, let's look at this. How many of us believe there should be fruit and evidence of the fact that we say we're Christians? There should be some evidence. Now, I'm telling you, 70% of Americans say they're Christian. Where in the world is the fruit of that? <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> Exactly. That's my point, right? I mean, there should be some kind of evidence. We're a Christian nation. I mean, 70% claim to be Christian. Now only 29% of those claim to actually be born again. And how many of that 29% actually know what it means to be born again? Some of them might have just read it in John 3 where Jesus said it and thought, yeah, I'm born again. I mean, literally, you're born anew. You get a brand new heart and spirit on the inside of you. And so there needs to be evidence that we're Christ followers. Listen to what Dallas Willard said. 
this is about 20 years ago, he said, as long as churches keep turning out Christians who do not know Jesus, cannot hear his voice, nor walk with him, it is the end of the world as we know it. Now, he wasn't joking. He was serious. As long as churches turn out Christians who say they're Christians, but they don't know Jesus, they don't listen to him, they don't walk with him, it's the end of the world as we know it. So everybody agrees. We need, we need to have some evidence. But the debate is over. What fruit is the Lord looking for that pleases him? Now listen to me really, really good right here. Because if you've been in church at all, you've probably heard or maybe had the connotation that I should be doing something. <laughs> There's my evidence that I'm doing something. Let me give you three examples. We know it can't just be behavior he's looking for because number one, the Pharisees. Matthew 23, he said, outwardly, Jesus said this, you appear righteous before men. I mean, it looks like outwardly you've got it all together. You're going to the temple. You're doing this and that, that the, the scripture commands, the scripture they had at that time. And yet, how many of you think Jesus thought the Pharisees were squeaky clean and justified before God? They weren't. Luke 18, 9, Jesus told the parable to those who trusted in themselves, they were right with God. And the guy, two men went to the temple, remember? And the first guy said, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like that other guy. And listen to what he said. I tithe and I fast. Now, those are two things that the Lord might well ask us to do. They're in Scripture. He might ask you to do it. But clearly, just behaving a certain way is not acceptable fruit. And then the cootie gras of my point is Matthew 7, 22 and 23. When they said this, are you ready? Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And we did signs and wonders. We did wonders in your name. And in verse 23, Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. I never gnoskoed you. That's the Greek word for no. It's a personal, experiential, one-on-one relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it can't just be you're casting out demons. It can't just be you went to church. It can't just be there's a sign and a wonder. He said, depart from me. We don't know each other. So there must be more to the fruit that pleases him than just behavior. And that's so important, guys. It's not just doing things we ought to be doing because we read it in the Bible. Thank you. This is how we define a disciple. We are those who abide in Christ. Not for five minutes. One of the problems in America is people are satisfied with a devotion time instead of a heart that's devoted to Christ. Well, I gave, Sylvia, I gave Jesus ten minutes this morning. Now the whole rest of the day is mine. No, if you're abiding in the vine, that's all day, every day. And that leads to ways, which is the forming of his character. And that leads to works. All the time we're connected. All the time we're abiding because we're derivative beings. We're deriving all that we are from him. Now look on the left side. Do you see that on the left? If you go from your, you got connected to Jesus and then you went out and started doing all the works. I call that the bypass to burnout. Because <laughs> you're doing it all on your own. Human self-effort. See, the nature of the flesh is independence. 
That's why when I showed you the little boy, Giddy, holding his dad's wheelbarrow, that he did not start as a little boy fully dependent on his dad. That's the end goal we're all looking for. We're not trying to grow up to be 21-year-olds and tell dad, hey, I got this. I don't need you. Watch this, dad. Oh, my goodness. We're growing into a life of total dependence. The more mature you become in Christ, the more you realize you're utterly dependent on Christ for good fruit and for good works. Woo, amen. See, the flesh likes credit. The flesh wants to be independent. The flesh likes to keep score. The flesh likes to earn things. Pride gets in there. I've seen people puffed up over obedience. I've been there. Puffed up over simply doing what he asked me to do. The flesh says, well, I scored a point for me. Obedience says, well, God and I scored together. And he did all the heavy lifting. I was the little boy holding on to the (laughs) handles of the wheelbarrow with my feet off the ground. And dad was behind me doing his kingdom business. Let me see if I, yeah, I don't have it. I had it up there last week. I apologize. I keep, I didn't know I was going to be referencing it. Ministry, if you get connected to Jesus, he got saved at church one day and let me go out ahead of him and do all this stuff for him. Ministry instead of intimacy is idolatry. Ministry that's born out of intimacy because Christ is leading you. And Christ is supplying you. And Christ is asking you. is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But ministry, instead of intimacy, go show yourself strong on God's behalf, is idolatry. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord roam the whole earth, looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are yielded to Him. He wants to show Himself strong through you, not watch you Go do it all in your own strength and then burn out and burn up. Does that make sense to you? Our connection with Christ, which we call abiding, you didn't cause the connection, it was gifted to you, but it is your choice to receive from Him every day. So abiding is our connection to Christ, ways is the character of Christ, and works is the conduct of Christ. What kind of fruit is he looking for? The character of Christ and the conduct of Christ. He's looking for both. The character of Christ would be the nouns. Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control and gentleness. Those are all nouns, okay? So Steve is living so connected with Christ. Steve is becoming more and more inwardly a loving person. There's three New Testament scriptures that talk about the saving of your soul. Steve's spirit is saved. But my soul, my, my thought life, my personality, my emotions, and my choosing mechanism, which is called our will, is under construction. And more and more being devoted to Christ's likeness. Because I love spending time with Him. And whoever I hang out with is who I become like. And so those are the... The nouns. Well, that leads, though, to the action verbs. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love has conduct. Don't tell me you're full of love and you have no patience. 
Love is kind. Don't tell me you're full of the love of God and you're not kind to anybody. Well, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. Love never demands its own way. Don't tell me you're full of love of God and you go around demanding everybody do what you say. How about this one? Love keeps no record of wrong. That's an action verb. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love, what does that mean? Love forgives. That's what it means. Don't tell me you're full of love of God. You can't forgive anybody. Amen. And we can celebrate, and rightfully so, I'm a loving person. I'm a joyous person. I'm a self-controlled person, right? Self-control is love's victory. But man, there should be conduct to it. There should be an, an outflow of that. The word, the, the noun for agape love would be ways. It's the character of Christ. God is love. That's a noun, agape. But guess what? There's a verb called agapeo, and that's loving in the love of God, where the love of God is so active in our heart, we're choosing His choices and preferring His preferences. Amen. Oh, this is a great example. Got a couple of examples for you. So, Ron Bridges. Ron, raise your hand. Ron Bridges, last Sunday, and you guys probably can all relate to this. He gets a word right here in this room last Sunday for somebody else in this room. He's got a word for them, an encouraging word. And he sensed the love of the Father for this person. But he didn't just sit down and revel in it and say, man, Larry, what a great service. I experienced the love of God for this other person. He gave me a word for them. Did you give it? No, I never, I never budged. No, love got up, went all the way across the sanctuary and delivered the encouraging word to that other person. Love has conduct. Kindness walks around. This makes sense to you. He could have celebrated, I felt the love of the Father for this person. But he didn't stop there. Love got up and delivered the word. Pat Moore, same type of deal. Pat's working this morning, but whenever we have guys come over for our M28 group, Pat loves, I mean, he loves them with the love of the Lord. He loves these men. And guess how it comes out? Brisket, potato salad, baked beans. I mean, the guy's a master chef. (laughs) Am I right, Don? Any any special event, we're having it. It's like, Pat, would you cook? (laughs) But it's the love of God. And then it's the conduct of love. He doesn't settle with, well, I really love you guys. We see it. We see it in action. How about three F's? Stay with me here. Three F's. Abiding and living connected to Christ. Feeding on Christ. What do you think fasting really is? He's trying to cut off what you've been feeding on in the world and get you to feed on Christ. That's fasting. Now, it may come in the form of food. It may come in the form of Internet monitoring. And then you go from six hours a day to one hour a day. I'm fasting the Internet. Why? He really wants you to feed on Christ. And then as you feed on Christ, you you move into His ways, His character... Or I'm sorry, I was using the example of feeding on love. I'm feeding on love. I'm feeding on Christ. And then love is formed in me. That's the second F, formed. I'm feeding, then formed. I'm becoming a loving person. Why? Because I'm abiding in Christ and abiding in His love. John 15, 10. If you abide in my love, we'll keep His commands. 
And then love flows. That's the third F. Flows out. Love has conduct. It reaches out. How about another one? Spirit, soul, and body. The spirit sows the seed. The soul receives. This is what... This is what I was telling you last week. I'm asking the Lord, teach me to love you in my soulish man. I'm glad Steve's spirit is good, but I want Steve's soul to be good. And I'll show you that in Scripture. Three times in the New Testament, it talks about the saving of the soul. And what happened in America was we all thought, well, I went to church. I signed this card. They told me I was saved. I prayed a prayer. Maybe I got dunked. Maybe I got in the water. And I'm good and I'm heaven ready. The whole reason He saved you is so you would look like Him at the end. That you're on the journey to Christ-likeness. How did we forget that Christianity is about Christ-likeness? Romans 8.29, all of us are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the journey, not, yay, I got saved and I'm going to heaven when I'm dead. You're on a journey to Christ-likeness. With Him right by your side. I mean, grace has given you a with God life. You'll never be separated from Him ever again. That's the difference between a demand and desire. A demand says, well, if I don't do this, then I'm not okay with God. I'm not accepted anymore. That's a works mindset. It's a transactional mindset. You're already one with Him. This has already happened to you. He's not leaping out of your body every time that you do something dumb. Amen? Can you imagine what we'd look like? They'd have us all committed. I mean, they may anyway, but the way it's going. But grace has given you a with God life. So on your journey to Christ's likeness, He's always with you. Even if you blow it or when you blow it. So the Spirit sows, the soul receives. My soul is being saved. Why? Because I receive with meekness the implanted Word. It's been implanted in me. So I receive it and I keep receiving it. And it forms Christ in me. That the body, Spirit sows the seed, soul receives that the body may reveal there's life inside of it. Like when the ladies get pregnant. You can see there's life growing in there. That's how we are as the bride of Christ. There should be evidence that there's new life on the inside of us. That my soul has received this implanted word. Amen. But it's all rooted in abiding. Christ is our source. Christ is our supply. Will Shepherd, who he's not here this morning either. He's ministering in prison. But he's really seeing this now. Christ is his supply. I'm not living through demand. Do this or else. I'm living by supply. I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. When I got Jesus Christ in me, what did I not get? What did he withhold? Everything is in Christ. It's all in him. So if you got Christ, you've got the goods. And the Holy Spirit now will teach you. How to walk with Him and execute those things. Look at John 15 verse 4. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch can't bear fruit on its own. Unless it abides in the vine, it's not going to bear any fruit. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So I did a deep dive on the word nothing. Guess what it means? 
about that. Verse 8. <laughs> By this my Father is glorified that we what? Bear much fruit and so be my disciples. So mature branches do two things. We prove to be his disciples. I love the story in the book of Acts that they knew those men had been with Jesus. They knew they had been with him. So we have the fruit of the Spirit, Christ-like character, but we also have the conduct of Christ. Do, you, do we all agree there was evidence Jesus was who he said he was? <laughs> You've got the same vine. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So just like there's evidence, we saw it, we read about it, there's evidence that Jesus Christ is who He says He is. There should be evidence that you and I say uh, that we are who we say we are. Christ-like character and Christ-like conduct are produced out of Christ's connection. What's, what's your role as a branch? Just remain in Him. Receive of Him. Listen to Him. Walk with Him. Enjoy what grace has afforded you with God. Everything you do all day is with God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In a few of your ways. In all your ways. That's abiding. In all your ways. Acknowledge Him. In all your ways. Stuck in traffic? What should you do? Acknowledge Him. Pray. Bless the traffic. I've done it. Lord, I bless this traffic. (laughs) Don said, keep both your hands on the steering wheel. (laughs) as to not offend anybody. Tough tough decision at work. What should you do? In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Boss puts you up for a promotion, but you're going to have to move to Atlanta, Georgia. Don't just do it. Ask Jesus. He's your Lord. He's your real boss. Lord, is this you? you? Are you calling me and my family to Atlanta? Are you, is this you? Right? We don't just say, well, it's ten grand more. Here we go. <laughs> it may cost you twenty grand when you get there. <laughs> Look at this. Let me show you this. The word fruit, that it's, it glorifies the Father and it proves that we are who we say we are. The word fruit is karpos in the Greek, 2590. It's what's done in true partnership with Christ. That's why I put that on the left side of that triangle, the bypass to burnout. Don't just go do stuff. Remember, he told me, and I shared this last week, he said, Steve, he took me to the Beatitudes. He said, I'm not trying to teach things people ought to be doing. I am framing for you the type of person who's been touched by the love and Spirit of God inside. This is who they are. This is what they're like. What's done in true partnership with Christ? Look at this. Two life streams coming together to produce what's eternal. Literally, Christ's life through the believer. That is the fruit that glorifies God. I love that. Look at Colossians 1.10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. It pleases Him when we bear much fruit. Christ-like character, fruit of the Spirit, Christ-like conduct, 1 Corinthians 13. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Do you realize that your obedience and fruit bearing helps you get to know God? You actually know Him better. Because you obeyed Him in something, you saw the fruit of it. Let's take healing, for example. So you're feeling under the weather. The Lord speaks to you and says, Hey, take this uh, aspirin and then grab your wife and pray together. Go to Psalm 107.20 and speak this over your son who's got the flu or whatever. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed us. And we act on what he says. We do what he says. And then all of a sudden, little Johnny is healed. He feels better. You're like, whoa, you are, you are getting to know God. And in this case, you know him, he's a healer. He's a healer. So our obedience and our fruit bearing increases our knowing of him. Because listen to me, it's no longer just theology, it's reality. Because Brian can say all day long, well, I believe God's a healer. But if he never applies the word when the Lord says, hey, pray for your family or whatever it is, then it's just theology to him. We want to, we want to operate in reality. Do you, how many of you know the purpose of God loving you wasn't that you'd live off the theology of it? Well, I'm somebody that believes God loves me no matter what. Yay! That's important. But he wants you living off the reality that he loves you. What does that mean? That means all day long you abide in His love. You live in the reality of His love. Your perspective is your reality. I even heard it said once that perspective is greater than reality because man lives based on what he thinks is true. And our, our, we're suffering in this nation because of it. Because so many are living based on what they think is true in human reasoning or whatever the love of money or whatever the reasons and motives are. But He loves you and He sent His Son not so you just live off the theology of that but it would be your reality. And there's a difference. Alright, how about another one? John fourteen twelve. Jesus said even greater works you will do because I go to the Father. Ephesians 2.10 I've prepared good works for you to walk in from before you even got here. You're my handiwork. You're my masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says created, literally it means recreated, in Christ Jesus for good works to walk in. There should be conduct behind what we say lives in our heart. But it needs to come from Him. From a pure and yielded heart. Not a heart that's trying to earn. Not a heart that's living out of fear. That if I don't do this, my, can't, my, my whole family will get sick. That's not from God. He loves you into loving. He loves you into loyalty. James 2.18 I'll show you my faith by my works. By my evidence. And we read that and we're like, well, let's run out and go do a bunch of stuff. No, please. It's not behavior. I prove that to you. It's got to come from a pure heart. Jesus said of the Pharisees, who are very religious people, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is not mine. So what does he care about in the new covenant? Your heart. 
That's why I said, Steve, the keeping is in the loving. Can I have access to your heart? Can I have access to your soulish man? Can I go to work on the type of person you are? Because if you'll let me shape you inwardly, I'll make you into the type of man that routinely does what I ask. Not a religious person who in his own fear and effort or trying to score points or whatever the flesh wants to be motivated by is trying to do all this stuff. No, a heart that's captured by the love of God. And I shared this with you before. When I watch The Chosen, when I read the red letters and I read the Gospels about Jesus and even, well, even into 2 Corinthians 12, he's talking to Paul about the thorn in the flesh. He's like, my grace sufficient for you. And I look at Jesus. You know what captures me about him? His heart. I rarely sit around and think, man, Jesus' theology is really something. (laughs) Now, it is because he is the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, the things this guy's saying, outrageous. He's smart. He's God. But he's not teaching a recipe. And he didn't leave you a book to read. You say, where do you get that? I'd say, I love scripture. I mean, I'm quoting it, right? You can hear me. I'm, I'm in it all the time. But John 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus Christ said this, you pour over the scriptures because you think it's in them you have eternal life, but you won't come to me. The purpose of that book is to bring you to the author, is to bring you the one who is spirit and who is life. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give God praise. Hey, good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, last one. This is a, this is a good one. Okay, I don't have the, there it is. James 121 amplified. So get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle spirit. Receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted where? In your hearts contains the power to save your soul. That's one of them. We receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our soul. And then verse 22, what's the fruit of our receptivity and the saving of our soul? What's, what did he say he was making me into? I want to make you into a man that routinely does the things I ask. The fruit is you become a doer of the word. But it all starts with abiding and receiving and spiritual formation. Abide, ways, works. They all flow together. So as I receive with meekness the implanted word of God, look at this. I become a doer of the word and not merely listening to it betraying ourselves, literally deceiving ourselves by reasoning contrary to the truth. Human reasoning is our enemy. You know, Ron Bridges, when he heard the voice of the Lord about uh, giving this word to someone in the, in the church last Sunday, he could have reasoned that away. He could have said, this, this probably isn't God because, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. I mean, maybe they'll think I'm a total whack job. We've all thought it, right? You've been in the post office, you've been in Walmart, he tells you to do something, you're like, Lord, I don't know if this is you. I mean, I'm going to be embarrassed. (laughs) And what does he say? He said, hey, I thought you were dead. (laughs) 
I thought your life wasn't your own. I thought it was mine. <laughs> yeah, get out of the boat. Here he comes. Yeah. Verse 23, For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, and actually doing it. He's like a man who looks carefully at his natural face in the mirror. And though he thoughtfully observes himself. I don't know if... Do I have the rest of that on there? Maybe not. There it is. And then he goes off and forgets who he is. Don't know yourself. Stop staring at yourself in the mirror looking at your natural self thinking that's you. The real you is the Christ inside. The new you, the true you. But he who looks carefully into the law of liberty and is what? Faithful to it. There you go. We don't only look and then walk away. We look and we keep looking. We're faithful to it. We keep, we persevere into it. Remember the parable of the soils. We stay with it. We keep on receiving is not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, and he'll be blessed in his doing. He'll be blessed in his life of obedience. Scott, you guys can come. I love this. The Spirit sows the seed. The soul receives and incubates the seed. That's James chapter 1, verse 21. That the body may bear the fruit that people can taste and see. That the Lord is good. They can literally taste and see that He's good. That glorifies God. Right? Light and salt, Matthew 5. They'll see, men will see your good works. Your light and salt, men will see your good works. And glorify the Father who's in heaven. That's our prayer for everybody in this house and everybody who's worshiping online with us today. Our prayer is that we're so connected, we're so living that reality and constantly receiving and allowing spiritual formation to take place because we know this, this journey is not about signing a card and dying one day and going to heaven, but receiving the seed, continually incubating that seed, the saving of the soul, forming of Christ's likeness, and then there's so much fruit. People around us can taste it and see how good He is how good he is not how afraid of him they ought to be not turn or burn baby but taste and see he's good romans 2 4 was it not the kindness of god that led you to repent same for me will you stand with me thank you lord It's all rooted in abiding. Comes through a yielded heart. Yielded, believing heart. And then obedience is just naturally supernatural, guys. Because the Word works. The parable of the sower, Matthew 13, that Word works. That seed works. What we see there is just four different types of soils. So every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Steve, I've never met Jesus Christ. When you said that about John 5, my whole relationship with God was with the Bible. I didn't realize that He is spirit. And whoever wants to know Him and worship Him must do so in spirit and in truth. 
And my heart is moved today that I want to receive His Spirit, His life, that living Word on the inside. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to give my heart to Christ. I'm going to let Him in today. Anybody? Anyone? I'll wait just a moment. You've never received Jesus Christ into your heart. You've never accepted that seed to begin this journey. Anyone? Thank you, dear. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Mary Bell, she's right there with you. Okay. Anybody else you say, Brother Steve, that's me. I need to start the connection today. Who's here this morning and you'd say, Brother Steve, I am connected to Christ. I've received Him. But I've not allowed Him access to form Himself in me. This would be the ways aspect. That I'm not abiding in Him to the point where I'm allowing Him to save my soul and my thought life and, you know, change me from the inside out so that my soul starts matching my spirit. If that's you and you say, Brother Steve, would you pray for me? I want to be more receptive, live more connected. Anybody? Okay, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Brother Steve, I've gotten connected to Christ. I'm allowing Him to form Himself in me, but I need to be obedient when He says to do what He asked me to do. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, I want to live as an obedient son. Praise God. Praise God. Well, first of all, I want to pray with this little, this uh, young lady here to receive Christ. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, come to you this morning to receive the life of Jesus Christ into my heart. Father God, life me with your Son. And let's begin this journey of me knowing you and being known by you, by the Spirit, all day, every day. Thank you that all my sin is gone. I'm washed clean by the very presence of Christ inside. I love you, Lord, and I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for those that want to do what He asks, Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not living by demand. We're living by desire. We have an inward desire to obey the voice of our dad. We want to do the things you asked us to do. We don't want to do our own stuff and ask you to bless it. We don't want to be religious and live separate. We want to live out the reality of our oneness. But Lord, to be empowered by grace to do exactly what you say for us to do. We want to be the type of people inwardly that naturally do your word doers of the word this world lord needs to see who you are and we want to be fruit bearing sons we want to be fruit bearing daughters that those around us can taste and see how good you are lord this happens by grace by supply through our simple willing yielded heart and that's what we give to you this morning in jesus name come on everybody said amen let's give him praise let's